Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room, and a special shout out to all the single moms in the room pulling double duty. This is your day too. This is your day too. So um, my wife uh, took me to Waffle House this morning. So I mean, I say took me, I paid for it, but we went to Waffle House. <laughs> so I'm already, I'm probably going to be burping a little bit while I'm preaching. That's okay. Uh, but uh, hopefully this is a special day for you. And uh, You have a great, great day. We are in uh, kind of the middle, I guess, of a series called Elements, where we are this summer teaching through the fruit of the Spirit that you find in Galatians chapter 5. Corey did an incredible job kicking that off two weeks ago, and then Andrea brought the house down last week talking about joy. Uh, It was so good, and um, several of you guys have told me you want her to preach more this summer and less me, and I'm not offended by that. I, I, I understand. Um, and so I get to do week three, and uh, we're talking about faithfulness today. And I'm, I thought I would do something I, I rarely do, but I thought I would start out today with a preacher joke, um, just to fill my quota of two or three a year. I got to tell a preacher joke, and I've got a wide repertoire because my grandfather has every preacher joke in the book. But this is one of my favorites. So there was a pastor who had a a couple in his church who was celebrating seventy five year a seventy five year wedding anniversary. So, so celebrating seventy five years was incredible. And uh, so the pastor decided he wanted to honor them that morning. And so uh, church started and he got up and he said, folks, this is a very special day. Uh, we have a couple celebrating 75 years of marriage today. And everybody just clapping, you know, I mean, that's not, it's just a joke. But anyway, everybody starts clapping and, and, um, he says, well, let's bring them up on stage. And so they go out and they help them up on stage, very old couple. And they, they help them up on stage and they get up there and everybody's just clapping and, he looks to the husband and he says, what would you attribute to the success of your marriage? Like, what, how, how have you made it 75 years? And the gentleman uh, said, well, pastor, I'll be honest with you. I'd have to give all the credit to my wife. She's uh, just an incredible woman. I, I, she's just so tried and true. And uh, everybody's just, oh, that's so sweet. Everybody's just clapping. And the wife can't hear very well. And she said to the pastor, she said, what did he say? And he said, he, he said, you're tried and true. What? What did he say? He said, you're tried and true. She said, yeah, I'm tired of him too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So there you go. We're talking about faithfulness today. Faithfulness, hanging in there, sticking it out, being around at the end. We're talking about faithfulness. And the way I'm defining faithfulness today as we're talking about it. I saw this definition uh, about two weeks ago, actually reading an article about something else, and, and they defined it this way, and I thought it was great, and, and jotted this down. We're defining faithfulness. I think this is a great definition. Staying true to what you said you were going to do long after the feeling you felt when you said it has left. What a great definition of faithfulness. Staying true to what you said you were going to do Long after the feeling that you felt when you said it has left. Now, I'm really excited to be talking about faithfulness, and I am talking to everybody today. It is Father's Day, and I feel like everything that is said today could apply to fathers, um, but really this goes to, to everybody. Galatians 5 gives us the fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and that's for all believers, and so that's all of us, not just men in the room. But I, I believe it's important that we hear about faithfulness a little more, that we talk about faithfulness A little more because I believe that our society kind of has a faithfulness epidemic right now. It's not a characteristic or a quality that is highly celebrated. Uh, Matter of fact, I I think it's maybe kind of taken advantage of, and and we tend to celebrate and prioritize other things besides faithfulness. But I want to give you just a few statistics this morning 
that you probably won't be that shocked by if we're just being honest, but I think just kind of uh, underline the, the seriousness of the lack of faithfulness maybe in our lives, in our society, in our culture. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 24, children, 24 million children in America, that's one out of every three, live in a biological father absent home. That's like a tongue twister. So in other words, one out of every three kids live either without a dad or a dad who's not their biological father in their house, right? About 70% of married men admitted anonymously in a survey to cheating on their wives, seven out of 10. Um, That's terrible. 55%, five and a half out of 10 of married women admitted to cheating on their husbands. The average length of a marriage in America now is 8.2 years, 8.2 years, which is like when you're getting married, I got some, I'm performing some wedding ceremonies coming up this summer. And like you spend so much time talking about the vows and everything, and, and you go through this long ordeal to talk about till death do us part, and now it's, it's 8.2 years. More than 90% of American men believe in God. Five out of six American men call themselves Christian, but only one out of six attend church on a given Sunday. Right? Now, those stats are incredibly depressing. And, and the point today is not to depress you. The point is to give you some hope and to encourage you. But I don't think you're that surprised by what we just heard and what we just read there because we live in a society and we live in a culture that is not really uh, infatuated with faithfulness. We, we celebrate fame, 15 minutes of fame. We celebrate, we celebrate talent. But faithfulness is something that's, that's overlooked. I know um, I've always been one of those people to make fun of, of the people who graduate with perfect attendance, right? And like, oh my gosh, you couldn't miss school one day. Like you didn't want to. I tell you, the older I get, I think I want to ask that question in a job interview first. Like, did you have perfect attendance? Because I think that says something about somebody that, is, that stands out uh, in our society. So th- those are depressing stats. But here's the good news. Here's the encouraging news. The Bible tells us that God, that the Holy Spirit will help us to be faithful. If we want to be faithful, if we have a desire to have faithfulness and to be a more faithful person, and if we'll let him and ask him to, the Holy Spirit will give us the power to be faithful, will give us the power to be Faithful. Now, notice I didn't say that the Holy Spirit will give us the power to be perfect. Because the Holy Spirit's not going to give us the power to be perfect. The Holy Spirit will give us the power to be faithful. So, in the room today, we're all flawed. We talk about that a lot around here, that we are all flawed, but if we want to be, we can, we can be faithful. We can be flawed. But faithful is how we could say it this morning. We could be flawed, but faithful. So we're going to look at the passage of Scripture, the, the set of Scriptures that actually is the, the basis for this whole series in Galatians chapter 5. If you have a Bible uh, or you're using a phone or something, flip over there. If not, it'll be up on the screen for you. Galatians chapter 5. I'm actually going to start reading it at verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. How can we be more faithful? How can we have faithfulness? How can we be people, specifically the Bible's talking about faithful to God, faithful to our relationship with God, having faithfulness in that. But I also believe that it, it is true for faithfulness in our family, uh, being a faithful father, being a faithful spouse, being a faithful employee. I, I've never met anybody 
who had an incredible, faithful relationship with God that also did not or was not having a pretty faithful life in all the other areas of their life. In other words, usually when we get our heart and our relationship with God right, it usually spills over and affects all the other relationships and other things we have going on in our life. So, so as we're talking about faithfulness today, specifically faithfulness with God, I believe it affects every area of our life. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, we're going to read for a little bit here. Uh, here we go, starting with verse 16. So Paul says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Great command. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Right? And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Like Paul is so nailing where we live, isn't he? And let me just, let's just kind of get practical for a second, just so you know, everybody knows this verse is true, because everybody in the room at some point has decided, you know what, I'm, I want to start exercising, I'm going to start running. Maybe you go buy some new shoes or whatever it is. You're excited because you're going to be a new person. You're going to be a healthy person. You're going to be a fit person. You're going to exercise. Maybe you get a gym membership, and, and uh, the, the, the people who own the gym know that this verse is true very much so, so you have to sign a 12-month commitment, right? And, and so everything inside of you has these good intentions. Everything inside of you says, I'm going to, to be a new person. I'm going to run. I'm going to exercise, right? And then maybe the first day you do, maybe you get up and you run, and maybe the second day you do, but something happens around day three, day four, day five, you wake up, and where you were getting up a little bit earlier the days before you wake up, and for whatever reason on this day, something says, I'm not running today. I don't want to run today. I'm not getting out of this bed. And so you skip one day, maybe you run the next day, but then you skip another day, and then a week or two or three weeks later, you're back to the person who doesn't run, who isn't exercising, who isn't fit. We've all been there. Maybe it's in eating. Maybe it's in a diet. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's new relationships in your life. There is two battles at, force, at, force, at war inside of us, and one of them wants us to be evil, or we could say do everything that's kind of not good for us, and the other one has good intentions, but they're constantly fighting at each other. He says in verse 18, but when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. In other words, what that means is just that when you live by the Spirit, you're going to exceed the law, so you don't have to worry about the law because you're living by the Spirit. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He's going to give us a list of what someone who is following that dark side of themselves, if you're following that side, listening to that side, giving into that side, here's what your life is going to look like in some uh, way. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, in case he didn't list yours, just any, you know, like those. That, you know, some of you guys I was reading, you're like, hadn't said me yet, hadn't said me yet, yes, hadn't said me. And Paul says, or anything like that, okay? Um, so, uh, or any other sins. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, what he's saying there is, 
is that if you find yourself consistently, constantly giving in to that side of you, that you're not allowing the Spirit of God to develop in you, okay? So this is not, I'm not up here in some theological discussion about was somebody really saved who does those types of things or not. I'm not God, God, I'm not the judge, I don't know. I hope that he's more gracious than we are. But the reality is, is that if we let the Spirit of God work in us, develop in us, mature us, then we should at least gradually, if not faster than gradually, be moving away from a life that looks like that. Okay? Is everybody still with me? All right, that's what he's talking about. So, so we just listed all of these things that, that, the, that the evil side of us, the sinful side of us, the side that, that is always, that demon in our ear, that devil on our shoulder is always kind of talking to us, right? Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. So we listed the, the not good person that Jason could be. The Holy Spirit, if I let him, produces these kind of fruit in our, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There again, he's just saying, if you live this way and, and live by the Spirit, don't even worry about meeting the passing grade. You're going to super exceed that, Okay couple more verses. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And we could stop right there, but I think it's so great what he puts in verse 26. He says, and then don't become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So that's so crazy, like, that once I can actually start letting the Spirit lead and guide my life, then I start becoming conceited about it, and we struggle with that, but that's not the point of today's message. So he says, since, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Such an incredible few verses of Scripture there. And, and, and I want us to kind of grasp, we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to give you some practical advice to help us be more faithful, but I want us to understand what we just read. That inside of each and every one of us, there are two people. There is the sinful, flawed, um, uh, 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 mischievous Jason. There, there is the trouble-finding Jason inside of me. And there is this voice inside of me, and I don't know if you know what your voice sounds like, but at 31, I have a really good awareness of what my voice sounds like, this side of my life sounds like, that's telling you to go do things, be things, find things, and it's always speaking up. And what I've found in my life is that the more that I listen to that voice inside of me, the more vocal and the louder it begins to come in my life, become in my life. And it's harder to make good decisions in between all the bad decisions because I keep giving into that. You know, we used an example earlier of running and maybe it's, a, maybe it's about healthy eating. You know, maybe you're doing good for a while, eating healthy, and then you have one bad day and that's okay. And then you get back on track, but then one bad day turns into two bad days and then two bad days turns into a year and then so on and so forth. We skipped ahead, but you know where it's going. So, so this is way bigger and way more serious than healthy eating. It's just an example that we can all kind of understand. That inside of us, this sinful person is saying, hey, listen, be, be the evil version of yourself. And I don't mean evil in like, you know, Voldemort or I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about like that side of you that is not being what God wants you to be. 
that God has great plans for your life, desires for your life, and, and, and he, he, want, he has great, great uh, ambition, and he's pushing you, and, and there's, a, there's a goal that he wants you to, uh, an end goal that he wants you to get to, a plan for your life that he wants you to realize. But if you keep listening to the evil, the non-God side of your life, that devil on your shoulder, that th- these two these two parts of you that are at battle, if you keep giving in to the dark side, that the dark side is going to get louder and louder and louder and louder. But he says that even though there is these two sides, it's not really a fair fight. Because if you want the Holy Spirit and if you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and fill fill you, that you can live and follow the Holy Spirit in every area of your life. It doesn't mean you're never going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean you're not going to listen to the wrong voice sometimes in your life. But it does mean that you can be faithful and you can stay on track and you can walk down the path that the Bible talks about so much, the safe path, the straight path in our lives. We can do that even though there is this side of us that's trying to pull us away, this magnet that's constantly trying to pull us off course. Paul says, Let the Holy Spirit empower you and guide you and fill you. And when he does, there's there's lots of traits that you're going to have, but one of the traits you're going to have is faithfulness. You're going to be faithful. You're not going to be unstable. You're not going to be inconsistent. You're going to be faithful. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity or the experience of knowing someone who had an incredibly faithful relationship with Christ. But it's really incredible. It's really a breath of fresh air because sometimes we're surrounded by very unstable, inconsistent people. And when you ever find those people, maybe it was your father in your life. I know for me it was. Just a really faithful relationship with God. It makes you kind of envious. You, you want that. You don't want to be somebody who's stumbling back and forth all the time. And Galatians 5 says, if we will ask him, let him want him to, The Holy Spirit can and will produce faithfulness in our lives. Faithfulness in our lives. So how can we stay faithful? With the Holy Spirit's help, how can we be people who stay faithful in our relationship with Christ? How can we be people that are the real deal, the real thing, that have a real, genuine, faithful relationship with God. I want to give you four things. If you have a pen, maybe you want to put this in your phone or write it down. I want to give you some notes today. Four, uh, I guess I would say pieces of advice or four um, statements that I believe help us to stay faithful, to have that faithful relationship with God, which then I believe spills over into a faithful relationship with our spouse, faithful relationship with our kids, How can we stay faithful with the Holy Spirit's help? I want to give you four things. The first thing that we can do to stay faithful, number one, is we can keep showing up. We can keep showing up. Woody Allen said one time that 80% of success is showing up. And I think that the same could be true for faithfulness, that, that faithfulness, in order to attain faithfulness or to have faithfulness or exhibit faithfulness in our lives, there are going to be times when we don't want to When we have to choose to just keep showing up, showing up in our time with God, maybe it's 
waking up in the mornings or in the evenings, reading our Bible and praying, and we don't feel like it that day, we don't want to do it that day, but we decide to show up. Maybe it's deciding to get your family in church or for you to decide to come to church and be in church. You don't feel like it, and there's other options out there that you could go to, and I don't want to get on a soapbox because I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to say things like this, but I just got to tell you, consistent church attendance has a way of filling your life with faithfulness. I, I, just, I mean, it's just, it's just a fact that when I see people sliding out of consistent church attendance, I see their lives begin to fall apart. It's just the way it happens over and over again. So you don't want to, or you've got other options, and there's way, reasons that you could not be here, but you just say, you know what, I'm going to show up. Maybe it's in other areas of our life where we're talking about our being a parent or being a husband or being an employee, and you just keep showing up. A big part of faithfulness just says, you know what, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show I'm going to show up. We underestimate consistency. I remember as I, you know, I was a teenager, uh, getting a little older as a teenager, began to think about what I wanted to do with my life, what I wanted to accomplish. And as I began to think about being a pastor, for me, and you could apply this to whatever it is you wanted to do in your life, but as I began to think about being a pastor, I thought, you know, I don't want to be one of those pastors that, you know, pastors a, a smaller church. I don't want to be one of those pastors that's just, you know, um, doesn't, doesn't do something great, doesn't accomplish something great, just this ambition inside of me. I, I've talked to people before who says, yeah, I don't want to be that. And what they describe in that is some guy who faithfully has served in a job for 30, 40, 50 years, but maybe hasn't you know, been somehow famous or extraordinary anything. And I got to tell you, every year that goes by in my profession of being a pastor, I have more and more admiration and respect for the guys who just don't quit who just show up. I can tell you as a dad, there have been seasons and stretches where one of my kids has really stretched me or challenged me, and they're only six, three, and eight months right now. So I, if you parent a teenager, like I, I just have admiration that you just keep showing up, that you just don't decide, you know what, I'm just going to go on vacation and not tell them for six months. And, uh, you know, and just the fact that you decide, you know, I'm going to show up tomorrow and do it again. I'm going to get up and go to work again tomorrow. I'm just going to show up. Don't underestimate showing up. Don't underestimate consistency. I believe promotion. I believe uh, extraordinary accomplishments. I, I believe uh, uh, meeting the right people at the right time. I believe that happens when we consistently show up. And I believe incredible things happen in our relationship with God. And we just decide, you know what, I'm going to show up today. I'm going to spend time with God today. It wasn't, it wasn't this incredible, like, you know, there, like this voice came through the roof and, and uh, the ceiling and a finger drew on the wall and I heard from God. No, it was very normal today. But you know what? I just showed up. I just got my Bible out. I just read. I just, I got, I just spent some time praying. I'm just going to show up. So many times we can want God to, to do great thing after great thing after great thing. I just think great things find us in the middle of ordinary deciding we're just going to show up. So number one, how do we stay faithful? Show up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. I would say for, for some of the men in here, just because it's Father's Day, I would say this, that some of you have maybe gotten in the habit of walking out the door and, and taking long breaks or going away or being away from your family because things are not going the way you want or you haven't found that stable job that you've wanted to find and there's some insecurity there, whatever it is. And Especially in our culture and our society, I believe with men, if I could just speak to the men for a second, I believe that what used to be a stereotype of a stubborn, hardworking man who, 
who couldn't show his emotional side, I almost feel like we've switched all the way over. And I would just encourage you, don't walk out the door the next time you fight. Don't, don't, don't stay out later than you know you should because you don't want to go home and have to deal with things at home. Just keep showing up. And I believe God will help you and the Holy Spirit will help you when you say, you know what, I'm going to keep showing up. Number two, number one is keep showing up. Number two, resist temptation and admit your weaknesses. We're talking about faithfulness. How can we have a faithful relationship with God? We already read in Galatians 5 that there is this force inside of us that keeps pulling us away from what God wants us to be, that ultimately wants to still kill and destroy us, that wants us to get us to not cross the finish line in our relationship with God. So how do we stay faithful? I think we have to resist temptation. And we have to admit your weakness. Let me ask you this question. Who in your life that loves and cares about you knows where you are most weak? Not because they've kind of figured it out, but because you've told them. This is where I'm most weak. This is where I'm most vulnerable. This is where if I fall, it's going, if I fall, it'll be right here. If I go down in flames, this will be what started the fire right here. I love 1 Corinthians 10. Actually, 12 and 13, but 10, 13 is usually where it gets quoted. But when we find ourselves in the middle of temptation, falling, feeling like we're not being faithful in our relationship with God, it can feel like temptation is too much to bear. It can feel like we can't overcome it. It can feel like that the forces at work in us that are trying to pull us away from God are stronger than the forces inside of us, the Holy Spirit trying to pull us towards God. There are seasons where it feels that way, but I love 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. It says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That's, that's hopeful right there, that even though the devil will lie to you and say, you're dealing with something nobody's dealing with, you're struggling with something nobody else is struggling with. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says he's a liar. It's not true. The temptations in your life are no different. And I say this all the time around here, but it is so true because I know most of the dirt on you guys because you tell me that if we could just for one, once in our lives be completely honest and I would pass around the mic and every person got to say what they struggle with the most, there'd be like four answers. Like seriously, we're all struggling with the same stuff. We're all fighting the same things. But because we're so isolated and secretive about it, and we don't ever talk about it, the devil is able to convince us that what we're going through, nobody else is going through. It's not true. We're all fighting the same three or four things. He says, the temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow God fighting for us will not allow the temptation to be more than we can stand. So in other words, whenever we're feeling temptation, there's never been a time and there will never be a time when we can't say no to the temptation that we're fighting in our lives. Last verse, when you are tempted, he, God, will show you a way out so that you can endure. Wow. What a great, encouraging, hopeful verse that no matter what I'm facing and no matter what I'm feeling, the temptation that's staring me in the face that I don't think I can get around or overcome in my life. The Bible says that in every temptation, God gives me a back door. 
And every temptation, there's a side door I can slide out of. And every temptation that I'm facing, there is a way out, a way that I can withstand. And he uses the last word, endure. There's this way that I can stay faithful to God no matter how strong the temptation is in my life. And there are some seasons where there are strong temptations. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but come on. There are some seasons where... It just feels like the temptation is stronger than anything we've ever faced before. And Paul, who wrote this letter too, said, it's the same struggles everybody else is facing, and it's never more than you can you know, say no to. And every single time, God gives you an opportunity, a way to be and stay faithful. So resist temptation and admit your weaknesses. You better find somebody in your life who knows the worst part of you and still likes you, still wants to be your friend, still wants to look out for you. You know, I hear people, I've grown up in church, so I hear people all the time talk about, you know, accountability, accountability partners, and I get all that, but my struggle when I was growing up with accountability partners, I just lie to them. It's like, if I'm doing something wrong and you're going to ask me about it, I'm already doing something wrong, so I just lie to you about it. You know, it doesn't really work that way. You got to find somebody who, you're not an accountability partner, you're a friend, you're a, you're a partner, like, in life. And for me, it's my wife. You know, Andrea knows the worst parts about me and still chooses to be married to me, which is incredible, right? But she knows where I'm weak, and it keeps me strong that somebody knows where I'm weak, right? So let's resist temptation. So we're talking about staying faithful. We're going to keep showing up. We're going to keep showing up to church, keep showing up in our time with God, keep showing up to the meetings. Come on. Keep showing up. Resist temptation. Admit our weaknesses, It's going to be very hard for you to stay faithful in private, in the dark. Go ahead and drag that sucker out in the dark, in the light. Okay. Number three, stay in faithful. How do we stay faithful? Number three, focus on the end and not the immediate. Focus on the end and not the immediate. You know, we said that a good definition for faithfulness is staying true to what you said you were going to do long after the feeling you felt when you said it has left. But here's an even simpler definition of faithfulness, making it to the finish line. Making it to the finish line. Like right now, if I said, hey, give me your 50-year goal. What's your 50-year goal? You know, Andrew and I talk about this all the time, and, and you've maybe heard me say this before, but one of the reasons I want a big family is not for now. Like, I mean, I love my kids, but like, I don't really want a big family for now. Like three, four, five kids under 10, that sounds awful, to be honest with you. <laughs> but like... I can't wait till they're like all in their 20s and 30s, you know, financially independent. And uh, no, but honestly, like in my head, no joke, in my head, I have this like picture in my head of all my kids coming home for Christmas. And granddad is in the recliner, you know, and, and the grandkids are coming in. Like I see that in my head. Now, I don't want to try to over dramatize it, but that picture gives me a goal to focus on so that my 28-year-old and 32-year-old will love dad and want to be around dad, that gives me a goal to focus on when the immediate choices that I make could derail my long-term goal. You understand what I'm saying? So being a faithful father to me is choosing to focus on 28, 32-year-old Sadie, Nora, you know, and what that's going to be like when they come home. I want to celebrate a 50th wedding anniversary with my wife. I feel like, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like a 50th wedding anniversary would feel a lot more fun and fulfilling than a third wedding. And you know what I'm talking about? 
some people want two and three and four weddings, and that's okay, but I feel like, a, that's not okay, but I'm saying a 50th wedding anniversary, I feel like a 50th wedding anniversary would be a lot more enjoyable than a fourth wedding. So I'm thinking end goal here. So that means when there's something we don't want to talk about or we don't want to address, we're going to address it because we're not trying to make it to 12. We're trying to make it to 50. So we're going to, fo- we are trying to make it 12 too, but we're trying to make it to 50. And, and so we're going to focus on the end. So there's nothing we can't attack now. There's nothing we can't talk about now because we're trying to get there. Okay, so we're talking about our relationship with God. Surely this is not it. Surely this is not all you want to accomplish with God and your relationship with God. Surely there are dreams in your heart. Surely there are purpose and calling in your life that you want to get to. And I know right now you're just trying to overcome temptation in your life. But like, what is the end goal? Is the end goal to have three generations of of, of family who serve God? You know how you get three generations of family that serve God? You keep showing up to church right now as a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old, and then when you get married, you, you make sure you keep coming to church and spending time with God and praying together, and you have kids, and you make sure you keep coming to church and spending time with God and praying together, Then you have grandkids. You keep Next thing you know, people are patting you on the back saying, your family's so incredible. It really was because at 20, you decided, you know what, I'm going to think in goal, not immediate. There are things more important than the immediate, so I'm going to focus on that. Does that make sense to everybody? In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about these guys. Jesus leaves, and he comes back, and he gives them these bags of gold, and it's really kind of an analogy or a metaphor for our lives that Jesus left, and he entrusted us, and then he'll come back. And it tells us that, that the response that Jesus wants to give to us is well done, good and faithful servant. Right? There's a lot of things you could put in there besides faith. You know, well done, good and successful. Well done, good and wealthy. Well done, you know, good and, you know, uh, whatever. Well done, good and parent of incredible athlete or whatever. You know, you could say any of those things. That's not what he says. Accomplished doesn't say that. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, like, God just wants us to get to the finish line. He, he wants us to make it there. And so we just got to focus on the end. Like, and I know it sounds even elementary, but like sometimes we just got to focus on like making it till Jesus comes back. Like that's one of my goals. I want to make it to heaven and I want to stand before God and I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I want to make sure my wife and my kids are with me and my grandkids are with me. Most of y'all are with me, you know. (laughs) Now all of y'all, the other ones are already gone. (laughs) Okay, so keep showing up. Resist temptation, make your weaknesses, focus on the end, not the immediate. Let me the last one here, number four. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and depend on him. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and depend on him. That's what Galatians 5 said, right? So the Holy Spirit fills our lives and enables us to live the life that God wants us to live and not that life that, that um, is pulling us away from, from God. And what Galatians 5 was saying here is not that like God's looking for goody two-shoes. He's not saying that somehow we earn our salvation or we earn our love because we don't make mistakes. Because we said in the beginning, we're all flawed. But if we will ask him to, the Holy Spirit will help us. 
And, and sometimes I think that we can think that God is so big or so got so many things going on that he doesn't care about the, the little details of our lives. But can I tell you, if you just begin to pray to God about everything and to ask him to help you with everything and watch him begin to show up in your life. Like, I'm being serious. So, so, so let's say that you, you say, okay, Jason, I'm having trouble staying faithful to God because I can't stop fill in the blank. I don't know. I can't break free from this drug addiction. Okay? Wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, you know how bad I want those drugs. Help me today to stay faithful. Pray that prayer. And, and the Bible says, if you believe what Galatians 5 says, the Bible says that you just gave the Holy Spirit permission to step up and to fight those battles for you and to work to keep you faithful if you'll depend on him. So the next time you feel tempted, you go, now wait, 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 where's my side door here? Because God gave me a side door. How do I get out of this? That's what, that's what it says, right? God, I don't know if I can stay in this relationship and this marriage it's falling apart on me. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, Holy Spirit, help me to be a faithful husband. Help me to be a faithful parent. Because I, I, I can't do it. I don't even know if I want to do it. And that's what it says about the desires in our heart. Like, they're desires. So just be honest with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you know how much I want that. But will you help me to stay faithful today? Will you help me to be faithful today? And, the Holy, and, and Galatians 5 says, he will. He will help you. So when you find yourself in those places where you don't feel like you're going to make it and you can't hang in there, just hang in there because the Holy Spirit's going to help you. And what happens every time you make it through is that faithfulness muscle in your life gets a little bit bigger. You know, you, go, you know what? I made it this far. I made it this far. There's a, there is an, an older song. It's not super old, but an older song that I absolutely love. It's by a guy named Ronnie Freeman, and I'll, I'll make sure I'll have Corey or somebody post it up on Facebook this week, a YouTube link, because it's, it's one of my favorites. It's a song by Ronnie Freeman called Satisfied, and um, I, I was going to read all the lyrics to you because they're all good, but this is just what the chorus says. The chorus says, I'm satisfied, satisfied. I've been cared for so faithfully. But Lord, hear my plea, and may it be that you're satisfied with me. Amen. I love that. God is faithful. God is faithfulness. He embodies faithfulness. He died for us, and we didn't deserve to be died for. Like, like God, God stuck to what he said he was going to do long after the feeling that he felt when he said it had left. He's faithful. And we enjoy the faithfulness of God. We benefit from the faithfulness of God. But my prayer and my plea is that God would be satisfied in me. In this flawed vessel that I am, he would say, man, man, Jason's hanging in there. Man, Jason's trying his hardest to be faithful. He's dependent on the Holy Spirit to stay faithful. So listen, Dad, you're doing better than you think you're doing. Hang in there. Stay faithful, not just the dads, but especially the dads. Hang in there. You're making more of a difference than you think you're making. Let's think 30, 50, 60 years down the road. Let's don't think tomorrow. Let's think, let's think later. Let's keep showing up. 
just keep talking about where we're weak, where we're tempted to fall. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us stay faithful. Let's pray.